0: Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask, where everyone has something they can teach you. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. As a CPA for the past 30 years, wait, let me say 25 because that makes me sound younger, I have seen it all when it comes to money and emotions. And if you think I'm talking about my clients, I'm not. I'm talking about myself. My relationship with money has been, and sometimes still is, an emotional roller coaster. Maybe that's something you're also familiar with. Good news, you and I are not the only ones. Our next guest is going to share their money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges as well. Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. next guest is Simone Millicis. She's a self-made millionaire, renowned speaker, and the founder of the global organization, Joy of Business. She's a best-selling author and has written Joy of Business and Getting Out of Debt Joyfully, which have both been translated into multiple languages. Simone has had personal experience with overwhelming debt and understands the automatic response people can have to ignore or underplay their fiscal problems. After changing her point of view about money, Simone has gone from crippling debt to millionaire entrepreneur with a thriving investment portfolio. Simone constantly sees the joy of possibility and future. She recognizes the prospect of possibility in every choice. You can find Simone every week on her podcast, The Choice, Change, and Action Podcast. Simone, I'm so excited to have you today. I am so excited to be here. Well, I know it is early for you as we talked earlier. (laughs) So I appreciate you getting up at the crack of dawn and joining us all the way from Australia. You are so welcome. And that's what coffee's for. So, that's what's I'm coffee's glad for. to be here. Glad to be here. So, Simone, I know that you can relate to people that have financially struggled. You were in that place. Can you tell me a little bit about your beginning story? When you were a kid, were you a rich kid, a poor kid, middle class? Where did you fall in the community with your family?
1: I'm going to say we were about middle class or just above middle class. Like I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and I went to a private school. We had money, but here's the interesting thing. We had money, and as my family had money, I did this insane, stupid thing as a teenager and as I got older of being so petulant with my hands and my hips going, I don't need your money. And for years, I literally refused any money from my parents because I was like, I can do it all on my own which didn't create much freedom for me. So we had a little bit
0: of money, but as far as I was concerned, I didn't want it. So it was an interesting youth. And what do you think that rebellious opinion was from? I mean, I'm saying rebellious, but maybe that's the wrong choice. Maybe it was prudent. But what was it that you said, I don't want anybody else's money. I'll do this on my own.
1: I think I was always trying to prove that I didn't need anyone and that I could do it on my own. And it was interesting. My father passed away about nine years ago. And at one stage, when I did realize I was so in debt, he gave me a $50,000 check. And when I received it, oh, Bob, the look on his face and his body of how grateful he was that I finally received something Mm -hmm. from him, from the daughter that he adored. And I was like, wow. And I realized how unkind I was being by not receiving from him. So, yeah, I say petulant, shitty teenage, you know, early 20s daughter, horrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that makes me think of, you know, there's that saying, it's better to give than receive, which I think is actually false. I think it's better to give and receive. Me too. I think we, well, look,
1: I think we grow up with this give and take program. I mean, God, look at Christmas or birthdays or anything like that. And in truth, it's like if we were gifting and receiving, like we receive as we give and vice versa. So... I think the world would be a much easier, nicer place if we did start receiving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about your mom? Did your mom talk about money when you were a kid? Do you remember anything? Were there little mantras around money? My mom was the complete opposite to my dad in a lot of
1: ways. My dad was incredibly kind and caring and always had my back. And my mom was just like, she's not the kindest person in the world. And she used to say, we're at the dinner table and I'd always want to talk about money or business because I liked it. And she was like, we don't talk about that at the dinner table. And I was always like, why? And then she'd start talking about, you know, the kid up the road whose brother won a swimming carnival thing. And I was like, I don't even know them. This is so not relevant to us, but you'd be dismissed as soon as you even mentioned business or money, which I found really strange. So my mom never got me and I never got her, but my
0: dad was like, (laughs) gold for me. Did you have any siblings? Yeah, a brother, one brother. And are you the oldest or the youngest? I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. You're the baby. So you were the princess. <laughs> the <baby>. um, <laughs> did your parents treat you differently because of your gender?
1: Yes, I will say that. And it's interesting because when my dad died in his will, one of the things I noticed was he left because he had a stock portfolio that was the family sort of thing. And he left that for my brother to take care of. Which I know that at that time that he died, my father actually knew that I was doing better than my brother with portfolios, etc. But he was so old school, like he didn't do it to dismiss me. He was old school. It's like the men are meant to look after the women. And that's very much my dad had a generosity of spirit that was huge. You know, you looked after women. So I know that that's what he was doing. But yeah, I was treated differently for sure.
0: Do you still buy into that notion that men should take care of women? In your adult life and when if and when did you say no to that
1: I actually I love being treated like a lady and being treated like a princess absolutely love it Um, look I don't know if it's fortunately or unfortunately most of the relationships I've had I've been the one that's earned more money and I think that's a hurdle that a lot of people need to get over as well because women go but I don't want to pay for them I'm like if you want them to go pay like you're making money the relevant thing whereas it's about two people hanging out together but I love doors being opened for me. I love being, you know, poured a glass of wine at dinner. It's like, I absolutely love being treated like a lady. So I think I love the women-men relationship that is possible.
0: Yeah, and what I'm not hearing is that women aren't able to still be powerful and full of leadership and strong. None of that's negated by the fact of being treated like a woman.
1: No, I think that's just a choice. And that's a choice for men and it's a choice for women. And in truth, you know, like we were brought up with women are meant to stay at home, you know, men are meant to go off to work, etc. And if you look at the 1950s, I mean, they had what they nicknamed mother's little helper, which was Valium. And it's like, and that's what they used to get through the day, you know, it's like, you know, you're on Valium your entire life. And if you switch it around, how many men actually love nesting and being at home and women want to go out and conquer the world? So I think we really need to start looking at what do you want to choose as a person on this planet? Like, Besides the fact if you have a vagina or a penis
0: or anything like that, it's like, what do you want to choose? Like, make that your choice. Yeah, absolutely. And so you relate to people with debt because you had a lot of debt. How did you get into lots of debt? I had a good time, basically. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) And I ignored
1: bills. Like, you know what? Actually, that's a lie. I opened the bills and I'd put them in a little section and I would leave them there, but I wouldn't pay them. And no one ever knew that I was in debt because people would be like, you want to go you know, to Melbourne shopping? I'd be like, yeah, yeah. you want to do this? Yeah. I was like, of course, you know, and I was very good at getting loans from different banks or associations or anything like that. So I really, I don't know, somewhere in my insane mind, I thought I'm going to wake up and someone's going to come along and just wave their little wand and it's all going to go away and everything's going to be okay. Because I really did refuse to have a look at how much debt I was in for a few years.
0: Yeah. And do you remember during that time, was it, I'm going to have a good time. I don't care what debt I have. Like, was there a storyline that you had in terms of, I can spend whatever I want?
1: You know, Bob, uh, I get I had the point of view that money will just keep showing up. And the funny thing is it did. Like I wasn't bad at creating money. I was just really good at spending it, you know, like I was still making money and I was still creating money, but I would I would spend more than that old saying, I would spend more than what I was actually making. So I never doubted that money wouldn't show up. And I was always... I don't know, very diversified in my choices. Like I didn't, I know some people go, I need to have this job that I know I'm getting a wage or a salary, so it's I feel safe. That was not me. I was like, I'll do that, 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 you know, and we'd be in a million different places. So money showed up, I just spent too much.
0: Yeah, I love that there's that sort of fearless approach. I grew up thinking there's no safety net, there's no safety net, there's no safety net. Right. And so for me, I was always looking around, even though I took risks and did things other people wouldn't do. I still was sort of looking, is there a safety net somewhere in case I fall, I won't break my leg or maybe I just break my leg. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, it's interesting because when my father died, even though I refused money from him for so many years and all of this, and we did have a fabulous relationship, I remember being so upset and I was in the shower and bawling my eyes out in my head, I was going, who's going to look after me now? And then I went, hang on a second. He hasn't looked after me for years. So what I did realize was he was my safety net, even though I was never willing to admit it. Uh. So he was always there. And he used to say to me, Simone, this is your life. You need to go and live it. And he'd say, you're so wild. He'd say, I pray for you at church on Sunday. And he'd go, go live your (laughs) life. I'm here for you. So somewhere He did create that energy of having a safety net, which I'm really grateful for.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, when you talk about you had a shift of mindset, Mm -hmm. right? You shifted your point of view around money. Did you just wake up on Wednesday and you completely just changed your mind on Wednesday and everything got better on Thursday? It was a very auspicious moment at one minute past eight. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's what people think sometimes, right? I just, I changed my point of view and it like happened instantly. It's sort of true.
1: Like I was, um, I started working with this company called Access Consciousness, which I've been working with now for 21 years because, and all these like, you know, weird ass tools that Access Consciousness was talking about, about how to live your life and change things that aren't working for you. I was like, oh my God, this is what I know is possible in the world. So I was using all of these tools and they were working and it was great. And I even, the two guys that actually are from the US, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here, I invited them out to do a seminar and it was called Money's Not the Problem You Are. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in this seminar, I've organized it all, I've done the whole setup of it and I'm sitting in the audience and they start talking about using these tools to change your financial reality. And I'm going, literally in my head, I'm going, oh, here we go again, blah, 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 you know, and then I went, hang on a moment every other tool of access that I've used has worked, but I am refusing to use these tools with money. So I actually didn't tell anyone, which is interesting because I remember one time I gave up smoking cigarettes and no one was supportive. And the only time I gave up smoking cigarettes was when I went cold turkey and I didn't tell anyone. So I did the same thing with money. I went, I'm going to choose some of these tools. And use them. I'm not going to tell anyone and I'm going to see if something changes. There was a bit of an auspicious weekend so at that <laughs> seminar that I stopped resisting what was available to me. And I started using that. And truthfully, within about two, three weeks, there was something that started changing in my financial reality. And I was about 187,000 Australian dollars in debt. And it took me two years to get out of debt.
0: Wow. That's super cool. So I want to go back to something It's been true for me, too, as well, is I don't always share my goals with people. I keep it close to the vest because sometimes people will come out and beat it up so badly that (laughs) I don't even recognize it anymore. Like I do think there's some truth in protecting when we set out goals or at least choosing the people we share it with. Would you agree? Yeah,
1: I do. And unfortunately, I think it's mostly family and friends that do Munch it all up. And what I've discovered is when you're truly choosing something greater and when you are asking for something greater and asking for something more than what everybody else has, it makes people so uncomfortable. And people don't like to be uncomfortable. They've already put you in some box. You know, you're Simone that does XYZ. It's like you have a problem with money or you have this or you have that. And then When you choose something different, they're like, what? It's like, it's usually so confronting to them. Yeah. This is what I found over the years in regards to everything. It's like, then they have to try and dismiss what you are creating, the greatness that you are creating based on they have to look at themselves. So it's, and it's rare to find some people that you can confide in like that. And I know it sounds really awful, but what if it wasn't? What if you were just smarter and you just, you weren't trying to prove anything with what you're sharing, you just chose. And then you became an inspiration and an invitation, which I get is what I have become. And I think that's what you've become too, Bob. So if you just look at it in a little different
0: way. Yeah. And because I do, and you talk about this, that people are unconsciously comfortable, whether it's debt or whether it's staying small or whether it's not taking risks, and we get comfortable with that. And when somebody steps up and steps out and gives voice to something bigger, it can be terrifying.
1: Yeah. And look, the comfort thing is something I really discovered because when I realized, when I finally sat down in my office and I went, okay, Simone, you have to look at this. And when I did, I sat there and I calculated everything, you know, and worked out that I was $187,000 in debt. And then I used started using all these tools and then da, 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 fast forward. One day I'm sitting in my office and I realized I had money and I was no longer in debt. And to be honest, I sat there and went, this is it. And I was like, this is not very exciting. Like, where's the fireworks? You know, where's the marching band? Where's the congratulations? The champagne popping. Right. And what I did discover was two weeks later, I realized I had created myself to be back in debt. So I was smart enough to look at that and go, okay, hang on. Whoa, easy tiger. What's happening here? What are you creating? And I asked myself, what do you love about being in debt? And I realized I knew it. I was really comfortable in it. I knew how to just get by. I knew how to make enough money to pay the bills. I knew all of that. I had no idea what it would be like to actually have money. And then I made the demand of myself, what if you actually started to discover what it's like to have money and have excess? Because me, like so many others, I'd have money and I'd be like, where's it got to go? Who can I give it to? What bills do I have to pay? Rather than
0: just having it do you find and there's maybe listeners out there that can relate to this is there or was there a comfort level of just not being overdrawn or 500 bucks in the bank and then if it got above that you got to get it back down to the comfortable bank level
1: yeah look i would say there is and again that's where you have to make your own demand and make your own choices because i started making these little choices for myself going well what would it be like just to have a hundred thousand dollars in my checking account and just have it there? Like, you know, not have it be invested in something or anything, just have it. So I made these demands that I I had a different scenario with money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you have to look at because so many people look around and use everybody else as a reference point. Well, You know, I'll give you a big hint breaking news. Everyone looking at everyone else about money is not actually a great idea. It's like, what do you know about it? And start looking at that and making your own demands of what it is that you would like to have, but also not killing yourself over it. Like, one of the things that so many people say is, oh, when I have this amount of money, I'll be happy. And it doesn't work like that. It's like, if you wake up and you choose happy and you choose, hence why I wrote the book Joy of Business, and you choose what is joyful for you, then money has this way of showing up. It's not, you know, don't calculate it. It starts to show up in a really different way.
0: Yeah. And I want to ask you if you come across this. So I step in and I let the money come, right? Now I've got money. People might judge me now. People are going to ask me for money. I might have to say no. People might be my friends now because I have money or my accomplishments, not because of who I am as a spirit. There's going to be all of this stuff. That's going to come at me. And now I'm going to actually have to stand in all of that. And that's really uncomfortable. What do you say to people that, you know, there's going to be impact when I actually allow success to come into my life?
1: Everything that you said is true. And it's like, that's, I think the section that so many people look at is what am I going to do when people, you know, I don't know if they're hanging around me because of my money or because of me, it's, a you know, or et cetera. But there's another piece I would like everyone to have a look at is what if having money is a way that you can change people's lives? And that is the piece I really, really enjoy. Look, on this side, there's lines that you can use. They're like, you know, I would so love to help you out, but I've just invested in something really huge. Why don't you come back and ask me in a year and see if that's there? You know, whatever. It's like, just because you have money doesn't mean that you have to give it to people. But in the last couple of years, especially with things that are going on around the world, I'm really grateful to have money because I have been able to help some people out in different countries and different places that was my choice to gift their money and change their lives. And to me, that is part of the joy of having money is that you can change someone's life by it. So I think this piece here is like the old storyline that people use as a justification for not having it because they want to be seen as them. You know what? You're going to know. You're, if, if You're smart enough to know. Is someone hanging out with you for your money or someone hanging out with you because
0: they think you're a really cool person, you know? For me and what I work on in workshops with people and one-on-one is learning to have difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have been trained, and I think many of us are not skilled at learning to have that conversation of, I'd love to help you out. Today's not the day. Oh, let me just give it to you, right? And we don't learn to tolerate the uncomfortableness of setting strong boundaries or advocating for ourselves and having people say, well, you're so greedy because you're only thinking about yourself. Whereas actually by looking out for myself, actually I can help everybody else on the plane.
1: Yes, and I sort of want to reiterate this thing too. It just, please just practice having money is what I would say, because I was so good at giving it away. You don't have to give it away, but you can Like, be generous or do whatever you need to do. Like, I mean, recently, it's like my cleaner was going to get kicked out of her house, etc. So I paid $4,000 for her to be able to pay two months rent. It's crazy in Australia right now because everyone wants to move to Queensland because of, you know, anyway, blah, 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 insanity. Because of the time zone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, because of the time zone. (laughs) But everyone's like getting houses like sight unseen and the rents are, are rising up. So it's really hard for a lot of people to actually stay where they're staying. And they're saying, we want you to pay six months out if you're doing this. So the fact that I could just go and help her do that was it made my life easier. It made her life easier. And, you know, that's just one story. And I like that I am able to choose that. But you don't have to as well, because I do see a lot of people trying to give away money. And you're correct. I think you need to talk about the elephant in the room. August 2020, we opened up a a shop in the local village called Antiques and Possibilities. It's another business I have, Antique Shops. And yesterday I was just talking, saying, you know what, maybe if we should put a sign in the window saying it's not a museum, it's a shop, you know, cash or card. Because people walk in and go, oh my God, this is beautiful, you know, and you're like, I'm really happy that you think it's beautiful, but do you want to buy something? You know, and I said, (laughs) let's make a joke of paying for stuff, like buying something But people don't, they don't want to talk about money. And it's like, well, what if we did start talking about money? What if it wasn't, we didn't make it so
0: significant and meaningful? Absolutely. So, Simone, I want to go back to that piece again about learning to have money. I think this is so important. Clients have come to me and said, hey, I just inherited 300000 bucks, or I just got this windfall. And I've actually asked people to just actually leave it in their bank account for four weeks. Because they'll say, "Now I can pay off that debt thing, and now I'm going to pay off the car, and I'm going to..." and I say, "What if you just let it sit there for four weeks or six weeks, and just pay your minimums, do your things, but don't reaffirm the habit of pay off all the debt as soon as the money comes in? Because then we never get to enjoy it." And it's amazing how many people are incredibly uncomfortable with letting a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars sit in their bank for four weeks. Yeah.
1: Well, can I tell you really quickly, one of the tools that I use that actually changed my financial reality is every single cent that comes in, putting away 10% to honor you. So you earn a dollar, you put 10 cents away, that's for you. And I hated this tool. Honestly, I did. I resisted it so much. I was like, this is stupid. This is dumb. I owe all these people money. And one of these tools that Gary and Dane from Access Consciousness were giving me is to put 10% away. And I hated it. But I also knew that I had to start doing something different because I wasn't getting anywhere with what I was choosing. So I thought, okay, let's do this for three months and see what happens. So for three months, every $100, I'd put $10 away. And it's an honoring account for you that you don't spend. You don't save for a rainy day. You don't you know, pay that surprise bill that comes in. It's just yours. So after three months, I noticed that it wasn't like I had a huge amount of money, but I had a different point of view around money because I actually had money and I noticed energetically that things changed. So I have not spent that 10% except on anything that has, I would say like intrinsic value. Like I've bought gold, I've bought silver, I've bought platinum, I've bought some diamonds and pearls, which is really fun to wear your 10%, you know, around your neck sort of thing. Yeah. So, but that having that 10%, that honor account, because then you start to look at the honor account first before the bills. And I think that's a really key point there.
0: Yeah. And I want to talk about this a little bit more because I've been having this conversation with different people about pay yourself first, do the 10%. And it can be confusing if you're in this world of money where you already have some resistance. And so some people might be thinking, oh, cool, I'll put that into my overdraft account that will cover my overdrafts. It's not that. Mm-mm. And it's also not really just part of your regular investment portfolio. If you're setting aside money for investments, that is not this either. Mm-mm. No, no. And it doesn't mean you can never spend it. You have to die with it because then people are like, well, if I never get to spend it, then how am I honoring myself if I never get to spend it? Can you say a little bit more? Because I feel like this is such an important piece. So it really is. And thanks. I haven't actually
1: looked at the death part. Mine just keeps accumulating. and I keep. <laughs> but look, there's a certain amount of money that I think everyone needs to have in a bank account like that where they can breathe. And for me, I remember at first when I got to $30,000, I was like, okay, I can breathe. And then it was like when I had 100000 in there, it was like, okay, this is a different energy and you choose different. Like that's the thing I noticed. And you can't fathom that until you're there and everyone is different. And as the money grows and expands. Now, what I want to say is the projections that you get from people, you need to just be an interesting point of view. Like it's like they have that point of view that doesn't have to be yours. Banks, accountants, mortgage brokers, all of them think you are insane for just having this bank account that has this money just sitting in there. Like it's not an offset account. It's not, you know, all these different things that they're like, I will advise you of this. And I keep going, nope, 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 I'm not using it. I have noticed that banks are more willing to give me money based on, (laughs) I have this like little tidy, you know, section here. So I use that to my advantage, but you have to make these choices again, like for yourself. And keep choosing that, and not choose based on everybody else's projections and expectations of what you should be doing with it. I would say the amount of money that I have created based on having this ten percent account is much larger than what I would have if I hadn't. And I've never thought about the death thing. I'm like, well, my niece will be my niece and <laughs> be will be happy. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't. It's, it's sort of become not relevant to me because right. I've created wealth on all these different areas that it's like, this is literally this honeypot that is an honoring of me, which I had
0: never done before. Do you come across people with imposter syndrome with like, I don't deserve all this money or and I've shared this story about myself. I will sometimes be working on a client stuff and I'm like, oh, that's nice. They've got two rental properties. Oh, they're making this much in revenue from their business gosh, I wish I could do that. And then I stop for a minute and go, oh my God, you're so stupid. I have those things. Like I have that revenue. I've had those properties. And in my mind, I discount them for me. But I look at other people like, wow, that's so amazing. And then for myself, even if when I run a personal balance sheet on myself, I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. (laughs) But in my mind, I still sometimes come from, oh, I hope one day instead of, you know what, life's not bad get over it. Do you come across that sometimes? Or is it just me? (laughs) No, look, I I think that most
1: people, to be honest, if people are really like brutally honest with themselves, most people don't create for money. Like you think you do, you say you do, but you don't. It's like, I don't wake up in the morning and go, right, what am I working on today? that's going to bring money in. Right. Everything I do is because I freaking love it. I love what I be in the world and what I can choose in the world and, and how I reach so many people around the world and all of that you know, facilitate a seminar and I'm not going counting the money. I'm like, wow, people's lives change. You're like that. That's what I'm doing this for. So I think we don't calculate the money that we have the way we think we should. Right. And if it's just there and then you, yeah, you know, it's like, it's such a, it's such a mind uh, screw up money. It's like people and everyone I see that makes it so significant and means something, all they're doing is like pushing it away. Like one of the things I talk about too is like if you are making money means something more than you, then it will always control you. I mean you can put that in relationships as well. If you're putting your partner as someone who is, you know, is more significant than you, then they will be able to control you. So are you letting money or anyone control you? And what if today was the day at this moment that you stopped and went, okay, you know what, I'm great how I am and money is not relevant and I'm going to receive more. Like, let's play.
0: I think that's so important. I think it is important that we love what we do. When I started the podcast, I wrote the book, started doing workshops. My whole mission was to start conversations about money. Now, a business coach would say, not a real good business model, Bob. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, it's supposed to be what's going to be the profit and what's going to be the funnel. And it's like, no, I, I just really want to have conversations around money and emotions and all the unconscious choices that we make because... I realize how much that impacted my life and I see it in my clients. Some people would look and say, No, 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 you got to figure out, you got to make that turn into $25,000 or you've got to exponentially do this and that. And for me, I love what I do and all that I do. You know, even the accounting, I used to tell people, Look, I'd probably do this stuff for free if I didn't have all my staff asking for paychecks at the end of the week. I just do it.
1: I read that you're a CPA as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) That's a bit of diversity there.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I got a little left and right brain all going on at the same time. Comedy, CPA, they don't (laughs) usually go together, my friend. (laughs) Not a lot. Uh, Bob Newhart, probably one of the few other CPAs out there. Right. (laughs) You know, I just think it follow your passion, but consciously and proactively follow your passion so that you're not caught in a situation where you can't take care of yourself.
1: Yeah. And look. I'd say let this whole journey be an adventure. I mean, I see, I often talk about, I've made so many bad choices. Like I've made more bad choices than people have actually chosen. Like stop sitting in your lounge room thinking and wishing what it is you'd like. Like there's, I say there's two different people. One who wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, I wish I had a million dollars. And the second one who wakes up and goes, right, okay, what action can I take that will create this? But not having that be this pinnacle It's like you, you as a being on this planet is the greatness. Like that's the adventure we have. And if you keep choosing that, then life is going to get greater and greater and greater. It's like, I mean, you talk about death before. It's like on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, I made X amount of money. It's like, did you have a good
0: time? Like, you know. You got to have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's my check-in point. Am I having a good time? Is it fun? I'm not always going to be happy, but am I having fun? And most of the time, Unfortunately, for me, I can say that I am. So, yeah, we're not going to take it with us. It's not going. Nobody's figured that out yet. Somebody, if they do, it's going to make a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, Simone, we're at our Fast Five, which is brought to you by Cube Money. It's a cash envelope system made easy, real time financial awareness without the hassle of tracking expenses and carrying cash. So, we're just going to shift the energy and I'm going to ask you some top of mind questions and I know you'll play along. So, here we're going to start. If you could ask your Indoor plant one thing, what would it be?
1: Oh, what do you need from me today? Always, every day. <laughs>
0: <Probably> <laughs> I don't water. know. You tell me. Yeah. <laughs> water. <laughs> Some good soil. <laughs> What's your financial superhero power? Diversity and choice. When is credit card debt okay?
1: When you're okay with it and you're not judging it and you're not, you are the only one that knows when it's getting out of hand. Use it to your advantage. What's a deal
0: breaker in a friendship? Them being, uh, them judging me. What is one thing you prefer to not live without? Space, like my alone time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an important piece. That's an important yeah. component. Having space. I love be- yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, we're at our M M&M and M moment, our sweet spot, and I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you could offer our listeners.
1: Yeah. Don't judge, like don't wake up with that litany of judgment about the money that you don't have or the money that you do have. Come out of judgment. If you come out of judgment, there's so much more that you can receive.
0: Absolutely. Well, Simone, this has been such a great conversation and I hope that people will do their research and go grab your books, take a workshop, listen to your podcast. That judgment piece is so important, like letting go of the judgment and really being curious. And what I've really heard from you is, is just that so that if somebody's coming at you with a point of view, you can say, wow, that's interesting. That's their point of view. That's not necessarily my point of view. So it sounds like there's a bit of a welcoming curiosity and not really looking and going wrong, wrong, wrong. And I don't hear a lot of blame, even in like the story of growing up or when your dad left the money to your brother, it's not like evil. It's, oh, I get it. And then there's still that love and appreciation for the parents, even though maybe your mom and you didn't like align up always perfectly, I'm still just hearing this place of, you know, I'm doing my own thing and I'm not taking anybody else down for the way my life has turned out.
1: Yeah, look, I think every single thing that shows up in your life, you gain awareness from it. I mean, you know, I wrote my book, Getting Out of Debt Joyfully, based on being in debt. And I have come across that, You know, people, and you said a point of view, it's like some people have $10 in their bank account and some people have 10,000 or 10 million. They have the same stuff that shows up because it's their point of view that limits them. So it's not money that makes you greater. It's not money that makes you less. It's your point of view. So if you can have a look at that and change that, and like I said before, you get to wake up happy, it's like, then you can create something
0: entirely different. Absolutely. Simone, where can people find you online and on the internet? Your books, your podcast?
1: Well, I've got a good name to Google because so far I've never discovered another Simone Millises. <laughs> so if you look at Simone Millises, M I L A S A S, and that's my Instagram handle, my website, you can find me on accessconsciousness.com. The books, Joy Business, Getting Out of Debt Joyfully. And the third one I actually wrote was called Relationship Are You Sure You Want One? That's a whole other story. I wrote that with my ex. So, you know. <laughs>
0: There's a whole podcast there. <laughs> uh, yes, there is.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Simone, it has been so awesome. I so appreciate you getting up early to chat with us today. You're so welcome. It's just been awesome. I love what you're doing out there. Please keep sharing the message. I was going to say preaching to the choir because that I'm the choir. I'm like, tell me, tell me, tell me. Amen, amen. So great stuff that you're doing. And thanks again for spending some time with us today
1: well thank you so much for having me bob and i want to say the same to you thank you for everything that you're contributing in the world too like thank you for being you that's the key here we all be that it's like different world so thank you it's been an absolute honor
0: absolutely we hope you enjoyed this episode did you learn something new about your relationship to money today maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us.